Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. God is good. Amen? Um, Just another great day out here at River. We had our very first ever men's breakfast at River of Life, and uh, it turned out phenomenal. It was so good, and that, that's going to happen quarterly, so if you missed today, I would encourage you, uh, next time that comes around, make sure that you're here. Uh, it's something that God had laid on Jason Johnson's heart a while ago, and uh, it, it, it turned out even better than, than we expected, and we're just expecting it to continue to grow, and so make note of that. Next time, it's called The Huddle, uh, and that'll happen three months from now, and we're just excited about that. Then the food bank was killing it today. I think 80 families received help today um, from this property. So, so God is good. Amen? Amen. Well, we're starting a new series that we've called Intervention, and we're going to have this series lead us right up until Easter. And Easter is just around the corner. We've got some really exciting things planned for that. But I want to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, And through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were at one time estranged and alienated and hostile-minded toward him, participating in evil things, yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to just spend some time in your word. And God, as we approach this amazing time of year where we are continually reminded of this incredible sacrifice that you made for us. God, I pray that as we spend some time in your word today, that God, you will speak directly to us. God, I pray for those who are watching in Star Valley and in Malawi and those who will be participating in the North Slope and and those who will be watching in jail and wherever they may be, God, we are so grateful that God, you have given us an opportunity to speak your word. And as we do that, Father, lives are changed. God, it's not because of anything we could ever do, but it's because of this amazing, amazing passion that you have for us. And we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus stepped into this broken world with one purpose, and it was to save us. He intervened for us. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. So he came for you and he came for me. He came for those of us who all of us are sinful in nature. And so God said, I want relationship with them. And so as we step into this Easter season, I want us to be reminded of his mission and the fact that Jesus came and he intervened and by doing so, he disrupted the norm. As he came, he, he said, listen, I'm going to come in and, and your plans don't matter anymore. Your dreams don't matter anymore. Your desires don't matter anymore. And he wants us to focus on who he is. Jesus came and instead of using the current system of the day, he dis- disrupted them. Some of us want to fit Jesus into our systems, into our programs, into our schedules. But Jesus comes as a disruptor. He comes and he shakes things up. Jesus surrounds himself with men who are willing to lay down their plans and to follow him. 
And eventually then women as well. And so as he does that, we begin to see that, that lives begin to be changed. But it wasn't men and women who would say, Jesus, I would love to have what you have, but you need to fit into my schedule. It was men and women who said, I will lay down my schedule. I will lay down my things and I will begin to pursue what you have for us. And so as we look at this story that we're going to look at today, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the stories leading up to Jesus's death on the cross. But we, we turn to Mark chapter four, starting with verse 35, it says this, as the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, when Jesus is with you, can I tell you, you're always going to be moving, Things are always going to be progressing. Some of you are new to your faith. You've accepted Jesus recently. And can I tell you, the one place Jesus doesn't want you to be is stagnant. He doesn't want you to sit still. He wants you to move. And so we see in this story that Jesus has said, let's get into this boat and let's cross to the other side. Now, the disciples don't understand exactly why. They don't know exactly what's going on. If we were going to continue in this story, we would see that Jesus had an appointment that he had to get to. It wasn't on his Google calendar, but it was, he knew where he was going. He was going to meet with a man who was demon-possessed in the tombs. But as we look at this particular story, verse 36 says this, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although others follow, other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill it with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and the waves obey him. As we look at this story today, I want to I wanna point out a couple of things that are, that are fairly obvious, but I think for some of you, you may be walking through a storm right now, and you need to hear this. Fear is always easier than faith. To be afraid is easy. To have faith in the middle of a storm is hard. Verse 40 said, but he said to them, why are you fearful? How is, that, how is it that you have no faith? What I want you to hear today is we as believers need to come to a place where we uh, aren't intimidated by the struggle. So don't be intimidated by the struggle. Can I tell you, your God is bigger than whatever it is you're facing today. Whatever it feels like today, I love this story because it's such a great analogy, a great picture of, of our faith journey. The disciples have been traveling with Jesus. They know that Jesus is more than able and they get into this boat and all of a sudden the wind and the wave be, waves begin to kick up and they begin to have what is natural fear because they see water coming into the boat and Jesus sleeps. Amen. Jesus rests. So what seems overwhelming to you is nap time for Jesus. <laughs> He's able to, he can Struggle doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Let me, let, me, let me point out this for just a second. For some of you, what you need to understand is you may find yourself in the middle of the storm and you may begin to question, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Now, maybe it is of your own doing. Sometimes we put ourselves into storms. But in this story, what we see is that Jesus is the one that initiates. He says, let's get in the boat and let's cross to the other side. 
And as he says that, they begin to cross to the other side. So not only are they doing what Jesus said, they're actually with Jesus. And the storm still comes. It's easy to question our direction when the storm comes. Why do we worry? Because we try to do what only God can do. We try to control the uncontrollable, to explain the unexplainable, to do the undoable, to stop the unstoppable, to fix the unfixable, to bear the unbearable. And then we wonder why we are messed up. In the meantime, what should we do? Well, Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. Can I tell you that worry is believing that God won't get it right? Somebody needs to write that down. Worry is believing that God won't get it right. When you allow yourself to be overcome with worry, what you're saying is, I don't know that God's paying attention. I think God's sleeping in the boat, and I don't think he's paying attention to what's going on. The disciples know Jesus is there. Now, again, we, we got to give these guys a little bit of slack because we understand the fullness of Christ as we read scripture now. They are walking this thing out, and every day is a crazy adventure for them. And they may, have seen, they may have seen Jesus heal the sick and do all these things, but in their minds, they're like, yeah, but storms, that may not be in his wheelhouse. <laughs> the Bible says that Satan prowls like a lion. And he is looking to devour us as believers. And the way that he does that often is that we allow ourselves to think thoughts we shouldn't think. I had a friend say to me this week, you need to take your thoughts captive because I was worried about something. It's nothing like having somebody preach to you, right? <laughs> but as I thought about that, I thought, you know how true that is because I don't know how you are, but whenever I get the opportunity to go to a zoo, I love to go and see the lion. It's one of my favorite exhibits to go. I love to go and see a lion. It's just something amazing about a lion. When I would like to see the lion less is if the lion wasn't in a cage, Right? The lion in a cage is amazing. That's great. I could stand there and watch it. Most of the time they're sleeping, so it's kind of boring. But, but it's a pretty cool animal to see. But if all of a sudden they were like, hey, you know what? All the cages are broken, but you're still welcome to come to the zoo. How many of you know the last animal I want to see is the lion at that point? The devil roars around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But if we as believers take God's word and we say, I'm going to take my thoughts captive, then all of a sudden it's like seeing a lion in the zoo. He has no effect on me. As we look at this, the disciples focus on the negative. When that's all you see, that is easy to do. Many of our storms are of our own making, but we, even if they're not, we will often feed the narrative that the storm is greater. The storm is going to overtake us. The storm is bigger. And I know that in my life, when I've walked through hard things and, and storms and struggles, there's a, there are those moments where you just feel like, well, I don't know how we'll ever get to the other side of this thing. But in all of those, guess what? I'm still here. So I'm able to look back and go, wow, God, you are good. You were in the boat the whole time. Even though I was freaking out, you were there. Yeah. 
Even though I didn't understand how you were going to, you did. A few years back, quite a few years back now, I surprised my wife for one of our anniversaries and I, I, I had done, it was back when I had my video business and so I, I saved up some money that she was unaware of and I bought tickets and I, we decided we were gonna go to Hawaii. Now my wife does not like flying. It is not her favorite thing to do at all, like just even going somewhere short, it's like a big deal and she kind of gets nervous about it. Now this was gonna be a long flight. And so we get on the, on the plane, and I know this about my wife, so I am, and I'm actually, I love to fly, I'm a, I'm a good flyer, like turbulence, that doesn't bother me, all that stuff, I'm fine with it. And so we get on the plane, and, and I had downloaded some movies for us to watch, I had gotten the dual headphone thing, so we watch the same thing at the same time, and I just figured I'll just keep her focused, and it'll be great. And so we're, we're flying, and, and as we're getting, we're like 45 minutes out of Kauai. Now, first of all, I didn't do enough research on my timing to go there because it's, first of all, the rainiest place on earth, and it is storm season when I decide to, to book our flights. So as we're getting closer, and we're flying, and she's doing pretty good, but as we're getting closer, all of a sudden, <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's fine. We're good. We're good. It's Okay. And all of a sudden on the, on the radio comes the, the captain. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're experiencing some tur turbulence as we're coming into Kauai. And uh, I just would like you to stay in your seats with your seatbelts fastened. Everything is going to be okay. We're just hitting a little bit of a storm. Okay, great. No problem. We are doing good, babe. Mm -hmm. She's looking at me a little bit nervous. She had gotten to meet the guy sitting next to her who was a native from Hawaii. He flew to the mainland once a month and back. And uh, he's doing good, I'm doing good, we're fine. So she's, she's with me, we're tracking, everything is good. A little bit later, as we continue in our little journey, uh, we hit another bigger patch of turbulence and uh, she begins to grip my hand. Um, and at that point, the captain comes on and goes, uh, if I can have the flight attendants, please find your seat and buckle up. <laughs> Babe, it's fine, it's good. We got this. It's, it's a, they do this all the time. It's not a problem. Not a problem. And then all of a sudden we had this moment. And I think we dropped, I want to say, I don't know how many hundreds of feet, but we dropped. And it was just that moment where all of a sudden. Now the guy who's sitting next to my wife who flies this route once a month. He's freaking out. Now, now me, I, inside, I'm, I am freaking out a little bit, but I'm the rock, right? I'm the man. I got this. Babe, it's fine. It's good. That happens all the time. It's not a problem. Now, she's squeezing my hand so much I can't feel it anymore. So we continue to fly. They say, we're having to reroute a little bit to try and get around this storm. Then they begin to tell us that the roads are washed out in the place where we're landing. So if you're renting a car, you'll need to make other arrangements. That's not a great sign. So again, we drop the guy sitting next. I'm like, dude, help my brother out. He's now got his head between his knees. I mean, all I needed was for the captain to come on and say, hey, if you believe in God, you want to start praying right now. You might want to make your life right with Jesus because you're about to meet him. 
Now, I'm trying to get my wife to watch the movie. I'm trying to distract her, and none of that is happening. She is in full-on, like, holding on to me. I don't know what that's going to do if we crash, but... (laughs) Some of you are in the middle of your storm. And it's easy for preacher boy to stand up here and say, oh, just, you know, you'll get through it. It's all good. But you feel like the plane is dropping. You feel like the turbulence is overtaking. You feel like there is no way you're gonna get to the other side. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. They couldn't do this, the disciples in this story, because they didn't actually know who he was. They didn't fully grasp who Jesus was. Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Notice the first words out of Jesus' mouth. He says, peace. You can't have peace until you put your thoughts on him instead of your circumstance. We need to learn how to focus on the positive. With all of the problems of this week, it is still easier than it could be. You can sit in this room today, and, you, and I sat with some people today who, who are going through a really hard season. And, and, and it's, really, it's really tough because I, I am not God, and I don't fully understand why things happen the way that they do, but I do trust him. And so... Maybe you sit in the room and you're like, yeah, but I just lost my job or, or, or I'm struggling in this area or that. Can I tell you, no matter how hard it is, there could be harder. The other thing that's interesting I find about this story is they thought Jesus didn't care. Look at verse 38. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? This is the most egregious mistake of all. Nobody in this world cares more about you than Jesus. You are the apple of his eye. You are the reason he went to Calvary. Jesus is the author of the word compassion. Don't ever believe the lie of Satan that says that Jesus doesn't care. He has made a promise to you that no one else in, the, in this world could fulfill other than him. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five says, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So these disciples who lived with Jesus, but they couldn't totally understand him and they began to even underestimate him. They did not see that his power applied to their very own situation. I think we're guilty of this a lot of times. I think that if I was to take a poll in the room, if I was to go around the room and say, hey, do you believe that God can heal? We would probably all say, yes, I believe that God can heal. Do you believe that God can provide for you? We would all say, yes, we can. But oftentimes when we find ourselves in a situation where we need healing, or we need provision, we all of a sudden pull ourselves out of it as though God doesn't care enough about us to provide for us. It's way easier to pray for someone else's healing than it is to pray for your own healing. It's, 
It's this place that the disciples find themselves where they're on the boat with them, but they still go, don't you care? Don't you care about us? We're going to drown and you're sleeping. You're taking a nap. Jesus has been with his people for centuries, yet we, like the disciples, still underestimate his power to handle the crisis in our lives. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He is with you. I love that verse because it doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're waiting on the other side for me to get there. He's with you. Jesus didn't say, hey, get in the boat. You guys go across. I'm going to ride with somebody else. I'll meet you there. And then the storm came. Jesus said, I'll be in the storm with you. Some of you need to hear that today because you are in a storm. And you need to understand that he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is with you always. Matt, God has promised it to you. He is always there. He hasn't given up on you, so don't give up on yourself. Whatever your difficulty, you have two options. You can worry and you can panic and you can assume that Jesus no longer cares or you can resist fear, putting your trust in him to be by your side and to help. When you feel like panicking, confess your need for God and then trust him to take care of you. That's a practical step that you can do. When you begin to feel fear, when you begin to feel that anxiety begin to come up, confess your need. I need you, Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you in this circumstance. I need you in my situation. I need you in the middle of my struggle. Because he is always willing to be there. He always wants you to feel him and to experience him. Sometimes when it looks like you're losing it all, God is setting you up for a double portion and a restoration. Anytime you're in a situation you have absolutely no control over, switch your focus to the greatness of God. And we call that worship. And it is the antidote for withstanding the potentially devastating winds of life. If you're going through a hard time and you're struggling, here's, here's some things that I know I'm guilty of. There are times I'm walking through something that's hard and I'll get in my car to drive to work and I'll begin to hyper-focus on that thing. Right. It's a conversation I need to have. It's, a, it's a, a situation I need to deal with. And so I begin to hyper-focus on it and I begin to walk it through in my mind over and over and over again. But some of the hardest times of my life, I realize that that does nothing. Because that is still worry. You can say it's planning, but it's still worry if you're doing it with the wrong heart. And so you begin to turn on worship in your car and you begin to listen to that and you begin to hear and be reminded of the greatness of the God that you serve. During stormy days when your health is declining or your spouse has been unfaithful or your friends are critical, you have a choice to make. Are you going to worry or are you going to worship? The ship was tossing, it was turning, but Jesus kept on sleeping. He was at peace. He wasn't worried, but the disciples were panicked. The entire experience left the disciples in awe of Jesus. They had forgotten for a moment who Jesus was. But when they saw him on display, his power over nature, it turned their focus away from their fear onto God's greatness again. 
In other words, that experience made them worship. Worship is one way to set your sail so that the winds of life drive you in the direction you want to go toward Jesus. Stormy winds can push you off course or threaten to drown you, but instead let winds of pain, trauma, and stress drive you to focus on God and set your sail toward him. What, in this season of your life, what are you most afraid of? Whatever it is, with Jesus in the boat, your boat is unsinkable. He has power over nature and he has power over everything else. I really felt like today as we started this series, I wanted to take a moment because as we talk about this idea of Jesus coming and intervening on mankind's behalf, he intervened for you, he intervened for me. I wanted for for us to take today and to really have this moment where some of you are in the middle of it. You feel a storm all around you. For some of you, it's financial. For some of you, it's relational. For some of you, it's health. Whatever it is, you feel it. You feel as though you're in the middle of it. And I wanted you to hear today that Jesus came to intervene, yes, by dying on the cross, but he also came to show us practically who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though he's not here physically, he's here. He's on your boat. He's in your storm. He has not forgotten about you. He has not neglected you. He has not left you. So it's easy for me. I know that when I was sitting on that plane next to my wife and I was trying with all my words to calm her down, my words meant nothing because the plane was shaken. And that's how some of you feel. You're like, those are nice words, preacher boy. But my plane is shaken. My boat is about to capsize. But what if you stop focusing on the wind and the waves and you begin to worship? See, it's hard to worry and worship at the same time. I don't know if you know that. It's tough if you're actually worshiping. Now, if you're just singing songs, if you're just, if you're just lipping the words, then yeah, you can still worry. But if you actually say, I'm gonna worship my king, your mind can't do both of those at the same time. You can't. So I'm gonna have the worship team come and they're gonna get ready to lead us in a little bit more worship. And I just really felt like we were gonna end today with this opportunity for you, those of you who are in the middle of it, maybe you're not, maybe life is good right now, can I tell you, always worship is good. It's always good to praise him. But for some of you, if you are in the middle of it right now and you even came in here and you're like, man, it's, it's hard for me to even sit in here. Or maybe you sat through the first part of worship and you said, man, I'm really struggling with those words because I don't know if I see him. The disciples are looking all over. All they're seeing is wind and waves, but Jesus was there the whole time. He never left. And his word tells me he will never leave you either. So today, as we close this out, will you just take a moment? And for some of you, I think, I think for some of you, you need to stretch yourselves a bit in worship. Some of you, it's amazing to me because I'll watch And there's some of you that you're like, man, you're diving in and you're full into worship. And some people, I'll watch people and I'm like, wow, that's, they're sitting with their cup of coffee and they're just watching. These guys can put on a really good show. It's not their job. 
Don't just watch, worship. Don't worry, worship. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you, worship. It's amazing to me because a lot of people that aren't, don't come from a church where you raise your hands and they're like, oh, that's weird, I don't really know. Why would you do that? Can I just tell you, let me just explain this to you real quick. There's something about putting yourself into a position where, like, if you've never raised your hands before in church, then you're like, oh, I don't know, it feels uncomfortable. It's okay. Put yourself into a position where you go, I don't really care what I look like. I don't care who's looking. I don't care what they're thinking because I'm going to worship my king. I'm just, if you don't ever do this, do it. For some of you, if it's, you just need to come and you need to spend some time just with Jesus at the altar, do that. But focus. Put your focus where you're going to find your faith. If your focus is on the wind and the waves, it's going to get you down. Change your focus. Find him in the storm because he's there. And tell him you trust him. Some of you, you've got big problems. You've got big things and you are worried. And I get it because I'm a worrier. I struggle in this area. I'm preaching to this guy as much as I'm preaching to you. But when you are worried, take it to him and say, I, I'm kind of done with worrying about this. I'm going to trust you with it. Because when you trust him, he calms the storm. So I want to pray over you. I'm going to have you stand up in just a moment. We're going we're gonna to spend a little bit more time in worship as we close this out. But I really feel like some of you need to press in. Don't just sing the words. Mean them. Don't watch. Participate. Stretch a little bit. God, I'm so grateful. First of all, for your amazing intervention into this world and into our lives. God, I thank you that you disrupted. That you came and you said, I'm going to take the norm, I'm going to turn it upside down, and I'm going to show you what love looks like, what grace looks like. Father, I know that there are those in this room right now, and they're in the middle of the storm. And God, today we're making a decision that our focus will no longer be on the wind and the waves. But God, we're going to find you in our boat. And we're going to worship you. Even before you calm the storm, we're going to worship you. The disciples waited until after you did it. But we're going to take a step above and we're going to worship you before you do it. We praise you for that, God. We give you all the honor and we know that you are able to do all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we worship? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.